This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Yeah, you guys can be seated except for the 20 people that are going to join me on the front row. We got two people in the front row this morning. We need about 20. And I'll start preaching when we fill up the front row. Come on. Come on, church. There we go. Look at that. Yes, my brother. Come on. All right. Man, anybody else a hard worker, slow learner? Hard worker, slow learner? Yeah. I think real life, I think we're hard workers, slow learners in this place. We're going to fill up that front row. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on. That's all right. Listen, everybody in the back has been trained in security and they're taking care of us. That's what that's about. All right. We're going to take a quick survey this morning as we're filling up the front row. I do this just to test our sound guys. They don't like me to get out here in the aisle. Craig's like, no way. Um, uh, Who had the worst argument? Who thinks they had the worst argument on the way to church this morning? Okay, let's, let's start with a different entry question. Who had an argument on the way to church this morning? All right, thank you, Tristan. I see you, brother. Who else had an argument on the way to church this morning? I know Tristan wasn't the only one. Come on. You didn't ride together. Otherwise, you would have had an argument. All right, Tristan, learn right there. Anybody else had an argument? Anybody else had an argument? See, see, the Bible says God gives grace to the humble. And Tristan humbled himself. He's like, we had an argument. Yeah, God's pouring out his grace on them. All, all you that are like there saying, don't you dare raise your hand. Don't you dare raise your hand. There's about three of you right now going, don't you dare raise your hand. That's pride. That is pride. The Bible says God opposes the pride. Anybody almost have an ar- argument on the way to church this morning? I see you, my mom. I see you. God bless you. Anybody have an argument last night? God bless you. You're at the right place this morning. Anybody else? Anybody, anybody had an argument all week long? My sweet wife. <laughs> Who you been arguing with? We had a great week, baby. Dang. Shoo. Who else? Had, who been, who's been arguing all week long? You know, we laugh at all this, but some of you are like, Pastor, I, man, I, we've been arguing our whole marriage. And it ain't funny. It hurts. Some of you are like, man, I've been arguing with my mom since I graduated high school. Some of you, it's like the arguing began before that. It hurts. Pastor, you're getting us all to laugh at, at arguing, but man, it's painful. I'm alienated from the people that I ought to be together with. And it's just not right. Next week, Pastor Timmy will kick us off into what we call the Advent season. And in one of the, one of the, the weeks in the Advent season, the theme is, is peace. And this morning as we come to Ephesians chapter 2, we read about the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. So if you have a Bible, I want to invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll pick it up in verse 14 and read through the... Verse 22 together and then unpack this with the Holy Spirit guiding us and helping us. So follow along as I read. For he himself is our peace who has made us both 
one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we pray, speak to us. God, we're not here to be entertained, Lord. We're here to meet with the living God, to hear from the living God, to be changed by the living God. And we are desperate for a touch, for a word from you, Lord. So would you speak to your children? We are listening. For those that aren't yet in the fold, whose hand is not yet in the circle, who are not yet a part of the family, would you speak to them and draw them into the family of God this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we also desperately need peace. And Paul could not be clearer this morning. He could not make it any more clear than he does in verse 14. He says, for he himself is our peace. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. The whole context of what Paul's talking about is he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. And last week we talked about it using that really uncomfortable uh, image of circumcision. And, uh, and, and he talked about that the Jews were marked with circumcision and the Gentiles, all the non-Jews were not circumcised. And, and he talked about the hostility that was there between them. Do you, who, who, remembers the, uh, who, who remembers Egypt capturing the Jews in slavery? Do you remember that moment? Even if you've never read the Bible, you've probably like, you know, watched these old films that, that have the, the Jews coming through the Red Sea and the, and the waters parting. That was Israel's history as they were enslaved by what would have been considered Gentiles. So a Gentile is anybody who wasn't a Jew. And so when you read through the Old Testament narrative, you see that the Jews had all kinds of enemies, right? They, they were captured in Babylonian captivity. And, and there was all kinds of hostility between the Jews and the non-Jews between the Jews and the Gentiles. And the miracle of what Paul's writing about is that, is that the Lord Jesus is building a brand new humanity. So you got Jews and you got Gentiles and the Lord Jesus is making them all Christians. He, he's tearing down this wall of hostility. And in verse 14, it says, Jesus is our peace. Everybody wants peace. <laughs> Everybody wants peace. All you got to do is walk through the bookstore and see that everybody wants peace because in the self-help book, in the self-help rack, you got all these books about how to find peace. You just Google like how to find inner peace and you're going to, you're going to, all these links are going to come up, all these articles about how you can, seven steps to peace. And everybody wants peace, but Paul's making it really clear. There's one person where we find peace and his name is Jesus. And what he's writing about here is that Jesus becomes peace for both. 
When you read through the paragraph we just read, the word both is used like four or five times. Both. He's, he's, he's peace for both of us. He's bringing us both into the family of God. He wants to bring, he wants to bring peace to everybody. And so, so the first big idea that he's saying is he's bringing peace between Jews and Gentiles. So earlier in Ephesians, we see that God was bringing peace between us and God. It was our sin that wrecked our relationship with God. And through Jesus, we can have peace with God. Now in the letter, he's saying he's making peace between Jews and Gentiles, enemies. He uses the word to describe the nature of their relationship as hostility, hostility. So I'm just, I'm just curious this morning, who were you alienated with where there's hostility present, where you know there ought to be unity and peace? Who, who are you avoiding and divided with? And, and, and then what's, what's the answer? Well, you can Google it and you'll find a lot of answers. And you can go in the, you know, you can, you can sit down with a lot of people and they'll give you a lot of answers. But Paul here in verse 14 says, Jesus is your peace. Now, this is really frustrating. <laughs> this is really frustrating to us natural, fleshly people. Because we want to accomplish peace, we want to find peace, we want to take hold of peace in any other way other than depending upon Jesus. We want to be able, we want to, be able to facilitate peace in our own home without the presence of Jesus. We want to be able to experience peace on our own strength and our own wisdom and our own efforts other than dependence upon Jesus. And Paul's saying, it ain't possible. You're not gonna find it. You're not gonna be reunited. So here's the deal. Somebody comes to me and there's alienation and hostility in the relationship. And my question is, is have you gotten on your knees with that person in the presence of Jesus and sought Jesus? Well, how many times we gotta do that, pastor? Well, how great is the hostility between you and the person? The, the, the crazy thing is, is, that, is that the simplest thing is often the, dim, the most difficult thing, right? And the simplest thing is just getting on our knees. It doesn't cost you anything, right? You go to a counselor, it'll cost you a fortune, right? Some of us, we need to go to a counselor. But before you go to a counselor, let's do the free thing. The thing that doesn't cost you anything. Before you go and buy three books, let's do the free thing. And the free thing is getting on your knees and on your face and saying, Lord Jesus, we can't work this out on our own. Look, look at verse 14 with me again. For he himself is our peace. What, what God wants us to understand is that Jesus brought the Jews and Gentiles together. And if Jesus can bring the Jews and Gentiles together, Jesus can bring anybody together. You're alienated from a coworker, have you sought Jesus together? You're alienated from a spouse, have you sought Jesus together? You're alienated from a friend, have you sought Jesus together? Guys, here's what I've discovered, and I just encourage you to try it. Um, selfishness, <laughs> bitterness, resentment, it dissolves in the presence of Jesus. The selfishness and bitterness and resentment that divides, it dissolves in the presence of Jesus. 
You think, all right, well, so it might, it might calm things down for a moment, but it's not a long-term solution. Well, have you tried it long-term? <laughs> like how many days in a row have you gotten on your knees with the person where there's hostility and you think, well, they won't do it with me. Well, I get that, and that complicates things a little bit. But you might be able to dissolve the hostility that's in your heart if you get on your knees and say, Lord, I can't do it. you got to soften my heart. Lord, I can't soften my own heart. you got to soften my heart. Lord, I can't take my own bitterness away. Lord, would you, would you take it from me, God? I want to give, give it to you, but I just cling to it so tightly. Lord, I need you to... Listen, our vision as a church is to be a flourishing people in a multiplying movement. And we don't want to multiply bitterness into the community, do we? We, we don't want we don't to multiply alienated, hostile relationships into the community, do we? We, we don't want to multiply resentment into the community. What do we, we want to multiply peace into the community. And we want our people to flourish. We want you to experience the very best that God has for you. And it starts with peace. Peace with God and peace with the people of God. And how do we get it? The presence and person of Jesus. I think, Pastor, that just sounds so simple. Aren't you glad God made it simple? <laughs> Aren't you glad he didn't like hide it? He just laid it out there. That's why, that's why in real life we keep it real and we keep it Jesus. Because we need peace and Jesus is our peace. So Jesus is peace, but Jesus made peace. Don't miss this. Jesus didn't keep peace, he made peace. Some of you in your marriage, you want to keep the peace. But sometimes when you make peace, it, you've got to confront the hostility. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus confronted the hostility. You can't make peace without confronting what's preventing the peace. You can try to keep peace, but keeping peace doesn't address the hostility that's preventing the peace. Are you tracking with me? Jesus made peace. Look at verse 14 through 16. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. He's talking about the Jews and Gentiles. He made us both one. How did he do that? And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So there was great hostility between Jews and Gentiles. And somehow in his flesh, through his death on the cross, Jesus broke down that hostility. He dissolved it. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That's a mouthful. What does that mean? Do you remember the Ten Commandments? Do you remember the law that God gave Moses? that was uniquely for the Jewish people, that was their law, right? So here's what Jesus did. He fulfilled the law in his life, and in his death, he dissolved the condemnation that, that was against all of us for not fulfilling the law. So Jesus obeyed the law perfectly in his, in his life, and in his death, he, he demolished the condemnation that was against us for breaking his law. Hallelujah, he did it both. One commentator says it this way, for the peace of Christ, listen to this, for the peace of Christ is not just a negotiated absence of conflict. It's the positive harmony empowered within us by the spirit of the divine prince of peace. And he goes on to say, he fulfilled all the terms of the law in his life and then his, in his death exhausted its condemnation of Jew and Gentile. Read on in verse 14, look at verse 14. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh through his death the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law 
of commandments expressed in ordinances. He abolished it. He set it aside. He pushed it away. How did he do that? Through his life, fulfilling it, and through his death, exhausting the condemnation that sat on all of us. Why did he do it? Look at, look at the next phrase. That he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. In other words, Jesus was giving Jews a new identity. He was giving Gentiles a new identity. And he said, you're now my people together, Christians, the church. Look at it with me. He says, by abolishing the law, verse 15, by abolishing the law and commandments expressed in in ordinances. That's a Mosaic law. Jesus fulfilled it perfectly. That he might create in him one new man. He's, he's, as, as one author said it, he's reinventing humanity. That's what Jesus is doing. He's reinventing humanity, verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. That's how he made peace, through the cross. He went to the cross. He hung on the cross. He became a curse. He absorbed the wrath of God. That's how he made peace. Thereby killing the hostility. Because of the cross and because of the resurrection, because of the living Christ who conquered sin and guilt and shame and death, because he conquered it all, you get on your knees in his presence and you just watch your resentment dissolve. You get on your knees in his presence and you just just watch that hostility dissolve. Listen, if death can't hold Jesus down, then Jesus is strong enough to to dissolve the hostility between you and that person you need to be unified with. So Jesus is peace and Jesus made peace. And then I love this, Jesus preached peace. Look at verse 17. (laughs) And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off. That's the Gentiles. He preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, those who were near were the Jews. He came and he preached peace. So in Jesus' ministry, he came and preached and he preached that a new peace was coming. He didn't suggest it. He didn't teach it. He preached it. <laughs> it's a big difference. The big difference between suggesting and teaching and preaching. Preaching is heralding. And Jesus knew we were so desperate for peace that just merely suggesting it was not going to be enough. He didn't want anybody to miss it. So he announced it. He heralded it. He he spoke it loudly. And he spoke it like a surgeon. Peace is available. Peace is available. So don't miss it, friends. Because Jesus came, the meek one, the suffering servant, and he preached. Jesus is peace, and Jesus made peace, and Jesus preached peace. And I think my favorite part of this text is the last piece. Jesus is building a people of peace. Look at verse 18 through 20. For through him, we both have access. Say access. All right, we'll try that again. For through him, we both have access. Say access. Access. That's okay, there you go. We have access in one spirit to the Father. When, when When Jesus, in the temple, there was a place that just the Gentiles weren't allowed to go. 
like Gentiles weren't allowed to go. And then there was a place in the temple where Jews weren't even allowed to go, except for the high priest. And Jesus tore it all down. And he says, we all now have access. Access to the Father. <laughs> Anybody get frustrated being put on hold? Anybody wait on hold for half an hour this week? from Somebody in a, you know, a different country? When the store's down the road? You never have to wait on hold for the Father. We've got access. Now, on the drive home, and in the middle of the night, when you're woken with paralyzing fear, you've got access. You've got access. How can I have peace when my enemies are many? Access to the Father by the Spirit. But it gets better. Look at this. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. God's building something. He's building something. And he starts with our identity. He starts with telling us who we aren't and telling us who we are. And many of us didn't even realize who we were. <laughs> But now we're like learning it all at once. Oh, I was a stranger. I was an alien. But now because of Jesus, I'm the family. I'm in the family. I'm in the family. He said, so you are then no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Hello, there's a legacy in this family. This has been going on for a while. We're a part of this family that the apostles came and taught about, that the prophets prophesied about. And then Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. Do you see what God is doing? <laughs> God's taking enemies, Jews and Gentiles, and he says, I'm, I'm going to make a masterpiece of a family out of these two. I'm going to bring them together. I'm going to build them together, and with my spirit, I'm going to give them access, and I'm going I'm I'm to give them a new name, and I'm going to make them a new humanity, and they're going to be my people. They're going to be my church to the glory of my name. That's what's happening here. Are you a part of this family? Are you a part? If not, turn to Jesus today and he'll adopt you in his love. Verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. In him you are also being built. Say built. I don't have many notes this morning. That's why I need you to help me to preach. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Who's being built? We are. You guys, I'm so excited. Next year, Lord willing, we're going to break ground on a building. Come on. I'm so excited. So excited. Yeah. It's going to be great. And we just, you know, <clears throat> the whole building's not going to have carpet, so we don't argue over the color of the carpet. Is that all right? I actually think that the baby's area is going to have carpet, but um, I'm so excited about this. God, God's going to stretch all of us and 
we're going to give, and we got architects drawing, we got builders that are getting ready, and we're going we're gonna to order overpriced materials, you know, and we're going to build a church building in the worst possible time in the last 30 years to build a building. And God's going to show himself to be strong. We're like, God, do you know what's going on? He's like, I know. And I got it. But, but here's the thing, church. You gotta, Emily's going to come and lead us into this just close, but, but don't miss this. Listen, the building, the building ain't the building. My kids would be like, Dad, that's bad grammar. You get on to us all the time for bad grammar. The building is not the building. The building ain't the building. It's just the house of bricks where the builder's going to build his building. The, the building that we're going to build, it's not the building. It's just the house of bricks where the builder's going to build his building. And as it starts going up, we're going to drive by and we're going to be like, can I go in? Every, uh, a dozen people have already said, can we write scripture on the floors? Be like, yes. Can we write it on the, yes. All that. Can we walk and pray? Yes. And we're going to drive by and we're going to be like, oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. Oh my goodness, it's so small. Oh my goodness, it's so big. Oh my goodness, there's no carpet. Oh my goodness, I love it. But you know, there's not an angel in heaven that's looking at the building. But every angel in heaven, the Bible says in 1 Peter, every angel in heaven is looking at the building. The, the, the Bible says that the angels peer over and watch with eagerness the unfolding of the redemption of the people of God. The angels watch, like we're gonna watch, just, just a house of bricks. We're gonna watch it go up. The angels are watching the builder build his building. And they marvel at it. They marvel at it. And my prayer this morning is that we would just see what the angels see, that we would long to see what the angels long to see, that we would see with wonder that the building that God is building is so more amazing than the building that we're going to build. So the building ain't the building. It's just the house of bricks where the builder's going to build his building. Right on? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for building us brick by brick. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we feel you molding us this morning. We feel your spirit convicting us this morning. We, spill, we feel the encouragement of your spirit this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were our peace and you made peace through your cross and it was so sweet to you that you came and preached the peace. And thank you, Lord, that you're building a people of peace, us. So might we represent you well? Might we cooperate with your process? Holy Spirit, we need you. Oh, we need you, God. We need you. So mold us, shape us. As we sing, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing out. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.